0: You have found the space between art and science. I'm your host, Erica Ruby. Today, I have the pleasure of presenting a special bonus episode of our podcast, which was produced in collaboration with the MIT Press. In the MIT Press podcast, authors and editors discuss topics, themes, and trends explored within the pages of MIT Press books and journals. You can find the MIT Press podcast at mitpress.podbean.com. Today's episode features a conversation between two authors published in the Leonardo special issue Cosmos and Chaos, Bettina Forger and Lindy Elkins-Tanton. Listen as these authors discuss the connections between art and science, the flawed idea of the hero, exploration of both land and space, and the complexities of being a woman in a male-dominated field. We are going to uh, introduce Bettina Forget and Lindy Elkins Tanton. Bettina Forget's contribution to the special issue is Women with Impact Taking One Small Step Into the Universe. Bettina Forget is an artist, educator, and researcher. She is the director of the SETIES Institute Artist in Residence Program in Mountain View, California, and director of the Visual Voice Gallery in Montreal, Canada. Lindy Elkins-Canton wrote, the frozen darkened soul rises into space, travels in Siberia and the plight of life on earth, which is the end note to our special issue. Lindy is the principal investigator of the NASA Psyche mission, the managing director of the Interplanetary Initiative at Arizona State University and co-founder of Beagle Learning, a tech company providing training in and measuring collaborative problem solving and critical thinking. Welcome, Lindy and Bettina
1: thank you thank you hello everyone and and thank you for including me in this phenomenal panel and my, my head is buzzing with all these ideas and thoughts that we've uh, already discussed in in this time here and thank you for pairing me with lindy um when i i first uh, saw what she does i thought oh you know scientists i have an art background like how it's going to work but we have so many uh, uh, connection points between our two articles that was really fascinating and we've been chatting like crazy uh, on the side here which you can't see but we'll we'll talk about and uh lindy I, i really loved your article i enjoyed reading it um i mean just the title like the frozen darkened soul like right it's just it's just so poetic and and you allude to the um, to the importance of connecting art and science. And your writing is already art. Uh, I was reminded of Alexander von Humboldt, who uh, did these really evocative um, narratives of his travels to faraway places that seemed very foreign and otherworldly at his time. And uh, he learned from Goethe to really uh, sort of a his narrative with more than scientific fact. And I found that your article does very much that and you speak That's of so your- so kind.
2: I might just faint right now <laughs> to be compared with Alexander von Humboldt, he would be such a hero. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think to both of us, right? Because, um, you know, he, he also grew a lot from the arts uh, and and uh, I mean,
2: so, so does your writing. And, well, and really just to interject very briefly to say that I was so thrilled when we repaired, because when I read your article, I saw so much art and so much science together. And I I really, uh, I deflect the notion that art and science are really disparate things. They're just ways that all of us humans try to apprehend our world.
1: Yes. And I think these are such artificial boundaries that also restrict us and the the sort of view that we have of ourselves and our capabilities and the capabilities of others. So what we really, really need to do is to sort of, follow our own North what the, our own passions, which you really do. Um, I, I loved how you described your field work, being in Siberia, the experience of you and the landscape. And there's this quote that I picked out, uh, like you described the vast wilderness left felt too big to fit into the earth I knew. It's just, that, that was just so lovely. So I'd like you to talk about um, what it was like for you to be doing field work also as a woman like in, in you know in russia was, as you you know you, your narrative is, is really like in this adventure story but you also offer critique about uh, the impact that you have as a researcher in the landscape and the impact of your research uh, on like uh, environment and indigenous people so can you elaborate a bit on that
2: Thank you so much. It's a lovely introduction. And and so indeed, we had um, a very large project that involved scientists from, uh, uh, there were about 30 scientists from eight different countries. And most of the fieldwork happened in Russia. And my particular part of the project, we had five field seasons in central Siberia, everywhere from down in the south, not too far from Lake Baikal um, uh, in Ustilimsk on the, on the Angara River and then in central Siberia near Tura on the Nizhnyaya tunguska River. And then in the far north, both near um, Norilsk and, and then also um, by a small town called Hanga um, on an inlet to the Arctic Ocean. And in these different explorations, I was out in the field with usually a group of four or five people, um, sometimes an American graduate student with me, but mostly with my Russian colleagues. And um, it was astonishing to see from the helicopters, we'd get dropped by helicopter out on these rivers. And then we'd spend several weeks in boats or hiking by ourselves, um, hundreds and hundreds of kilometers from anyone. And uh, to see the size of Siberia, even for someone who lives now in the American Southwest, and I can be in a plane and look over the deserts of the Western part of North America, Siberia is so gigantic. And to see it is almost to see an ocean, only it's a land. Uh, And and the beauty of it is breathtaking. And so when we're in the little towns, um, that's when I would understand the human connection with this vastness. And um, one one part of what I experienced that you and I have been chatting about is um, what it is to be a woman leader in science, particularly in exploration. I think of all the parts of human endeavor, exploration is one of the hardest places for women to find a foothold. It's really thought to be the world of the male hero. And uh, and so I would be in these tiny towns and we would go to the little tiny grocery stores. And I had, a, you know, a year of intensive Russian, and I could say, <laughs> and, um, and I would have little conversations with the women working in the stores and they would always, as soon as the men went away, they would bring out, um, you know, the the berry liqueur that they had made from the previous year and give us little drinks and we went to each other's health and immediately become best friends. And we would learn how many children we each had and where we lived. And then they would always tell me that geology is no work for a woman and that I should go home and be with my husband and my fa- and my son right away. And that, and I would just leave them shaking their heads and I would think, What gender am I? You know, I'm not a Russian woman. I'm not. A Russian man, I'm not an American man, you know, what am I doing? I would feel so alienated from all the different parts of where I was. And then we would see the indigenous peoples, the Ivanks and the other people who had lived in central Siberia now increasingly displaced. And all, all these things together made me think more and more about what we all know, which is that exploration is the devastation and suffering of indigenous peoples. And that exploration has always been for the financial betterment of mainly the wealthy men of the the community. And so I really see space exploration as a way for us to do it right, a way for us to be the society that we know we can be and to become that inspiration for creating things better on earth. And so I was so excited about your art project and the fact that you look at the moon with the beautiful telescope that I see behind you over your shoulder. And you look at the moon and you see the craters. Now, imagine how exciting it was for me to read this paper, knowing something that Bettina did not know, which is that I've spent about half of my career studying the geology of the moon and studying the craters on the moon. And so so I'm so familiar with the beautiful things that you've been staring at. And I've been so struck over and over again by how many men there are named. You know, you go to Venus, it's named after women. Everything else in the solar system is named after men. Um, And thinking about what our position is in this place. And then you created this art project where we could put on the bottom of our boots the impressions of craters. And as we walked, we could make our own craters here on Earth. And I thought that was so beautiful and evocative. And so I'm so interested to hear you talk about not just the materials, because when we create our craters with our boots, they're transient. They're in the sand of the seashore. They're going to come and go. The craters on the moon are made of rock and hardened lava, and they will be there for the age of the solar system. And the, the dichotomy of this, which I believe is driven by the hero model, which brings us back to exploration. If our hero is the one man who is the astronaut who could do the thing, that is actually not creating inclusion in It's creating a barrier because I never see myself in that person doing that thing. And so, you know, what is the prevalence of the posture of the hero, the singular expert, the leader filled with confidence and assertion in your field? And what is the relevant, relative importance of raising others up as opposed to raising oneself up, which is what I mainly see in academia and in exploration. And I think that your gorgeous work addresses all of that. I would love to hear you talk about it.
1: Oh, thank you, that's a really great question. Um, Because we have that hero story, both in the arts and in science, you know, like the Einstein genius, you know, uh, single handedly will fill the whole blackboard with like these fantastic equations. That's a trope. But on the other hand, we have people like Jackson Pollock, genius, swell some art around, best best artist in North America. So, you know, obviously, uh, and and these are sort of these male hero types. uh, And that is echoed in how we uh, mark places as well. The, my, my inspiration for the Women With Impact uh, series was because only like less than 2% of all moon craters are named after women. And it's important how we name things, how we name things on earth, how we, um, Lucy Lippert says like our cities, our mirrors, You know, we live in them and we, we sort of co-shape them and, and they shape us and we shape it. And uh, I find that this idea of the hero stories is so inaccurate, both in art and science. Uh, actually science is very collaborative. And uh, it's always teams and all, even in, in the arts, especially now in contemporary practice, it's so collaborative, it's, it's cross-disciplinary, in transdisciplinary, interdisciplinary. We work as uh, you know, collaborators, like everybody here who talk was sort of alluding to the fact that we were, we were sort of inspired by and working with other people. And I think that is a much more accurate and, and healthy way to approach it as a network of individuals embedded in a network that is our world, our, our environment. Uh, we know that we're one species of many. I think the sort of rhizome uh, approach to life and, and us is much uh, um, leads to more creativity and breakthroughs than this. So we, we talked about boundaries. The individual as a boundary is a problem. You know, this we need to open that up. And of course. The uh, power dynamics and hierarchies that implied through that hero model is that is a, it is a male hero and women can uh, or have a really hard time breaking into the STEM field, breaking into sciences, because you're always being the other who breaks in. That's and right. when we when we're looking at female achievements, even in the arts, it's always oh, women well, they just work very hard, don't they? They are so <laughs> meticulous, and uh, this is why they're doing making nice things. Uh, and the men are just, you know, they wake up in the morning and then they just write a novel. That's just how that They're happens. just geniuses. It's They're just joke. inborn geniuses. And I think art and what we're doing and what you're doing can really help uh, break that, especially with, by breaking the art and science boundaries. I think we're breaking the associated gender stereotypes. And that is, that is a sort of central part of, of also of my work. And, and something that you alluded to in your uh, article as well, the idea that art can actually help us to be better humans uh, on this this planet. And uh, I would love to find out more about the um, uh, Psyche-inspired project that you have instigated where you're bringing artists in to work on the Psyche mission and the perspective that, that you're taking on this.
2: I know we don't have time to talk about that. Unfortunately, Erica has let us know it's the end, although I would love to. I couldn't invite everyone to look at our website, psyche.asu.edu and see what NASA has funded us to do with artists. Thank you for making that a possibility that I could mention.
0: You can read Bettina Forge and Lindy Elkin contribution to the special Leonardo issue on Chaos and Cosmos, published in February 2021. This bilingual issue in Russian and English was produced with Sciland Media Art Lab and can be read through the MIT Press Journal's website, Project Muse, and various institutional subscriptions.
2: Between Art and Science is a production of Leonardo, the International Society for the Arts, Sciences, and Technology.
0: Our editorial director is Erica Ruby. This episode's featured discussion
2: was produced for Laser St. Petersburg, the Leonardo Art Science Evening Rendezvous hosted by Silent Media Art Lab. Leonardo Reviews is led by Editor-in-Chief Michael Punt, production assistance by Tina Tsumaka. Our theme music was composed by Wyatt Koish, Find out more about Leonardo, our publications, and our programs at www.leonardo.info